All right, we are back on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. A big day of news last night came out on Monday night, and we're here to talk about it on this Tuesday edition. Tim Leonard, Tyler Aki, as always, you can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. It started, Tyler, with Elijah Hughes. I think that was right around 7 p.m., whenever it was, that he kind yep. of announced what I think we all knew was coming, but he made it officially official. We knew that he was in the NBA draft process. Jeff Goodman tweets that he is going to stay in the NBA draft process. Elijah Hughes kind of puts a bow on that, quote tweets it, and says something to the effect of thank you so much to Orange Nation and Cuse Nation, which he's been a class act throughout this. And now we know 110% for sure that it seems like Elijah Hughes is not going to come back to Syracuse and play basketball for the Syracuse Orange again, which is a bummer, but... I think you're of the same thinking to me is that it kind of was inevitable at this point a little bit. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you get the news. Jeff Goodman puts it out. A good man delivering you some bad news. <laughs> but hey, is what it is. But I think you and I are both, we, we felt kind of numb to the news. Like, yeah. okay, it, it, this was just the, the final confirmation. It was something that we all kind of felt was inevitable. Now, I we shouldn't always speak with with that kind of candor about this stuff because again when we think back what is this two years ago when Tyus Tyus Battle was going through the same thing we all thought that okay he's a foregone conclusion he's gonna go he's getting his second or maybe even late first round grade we'll just he's gone and then he came back and it kind of took everyone by surprise so that's why I'm I'm never too quick to to put a nail in it but Again, I, I had my lean. My lean was that he was going to stay in the draft, and it was a heavy lean at that. So, no, it's it, it's not going to change a ton of, of what's going on next year. And that sounds weird because obviously it's going to change a ton, but it's, yeah. the planning was in place, right? Right. So th- that's why the, the coaching staff isn't taken aback by it. Okay, if the coaching staff is shocked by this, then that's on them at this point. Exactly. Yeah, he's a obviously a huge huge loss and you know you got two seasons out of him that were great and i think we could have an entire we basically did have like an appreciation podcast yeah, we did. for him mm-hmm. at one point and if you missed that go back and check it out uh but you know it goes without saying it's a huge loss but we did a whole thing to call back to another previous podcast of like a depth chart recently and yeah, kind of just allocating plugs right now. For I know. Our own I, am, I am. You can keep listening to this one though. Don't forget, we got more <laughs> to come on a on a new football commit as well. But we did a whole thing a couple of days ago on minutes allocation and who could crack the rotation and everything. And I was thinking back, not once did we say, "Well, if Elijah Hughes comes back, you do." And maybe we should have because, as you said, Tyus Battle is a prime example of catching us off guard in a good way but i just felt like this was inevitable i think i'm speaking for most of the fan base and also i don't think anyone should be out there of the camp that he should have come back i know a lot of players recently for syracuse have not exactly panned out he might not get drafted he i think will but i don't think he's a first round guy and i don't think that means that this year wasn't the best year for him to go though because He's already 22 years old, and he's already been in college longer than I think some fans realize because he transferred from ECU, and age matters a lot. So this was his best chance. I don't think he really could have proven much more for Syracuse, and it stings for Syracuse fans like us, but 
this was his best time to go. And I'm never really of the camp that someone should come back for another year if they feel like they've got a shot at getting drafted, but especially in the case of Hughes, because he's basically already a senior in a weird way. Right. And no, I mean, you put it perfectly. He's basically already a senior. I'm always the advocate, get your money when you can, because tomorrow is not promised in the world of athletics. I mean, look at everything that's going on right now. Even if it's not for injury, tomorrow is not promised in the world of athletics. So go out and, I mean, think of it from this perspective too. I mean, this is your dream. Go go out, chase your dream. Literally. This is the... This is the peak of the profession that you can get to. The peak of, of your basketball career is playing in the NBA. And, and, of course, there's accolades that go on top of it, but the largest platform is the one that he is about to enter his way onto. And you and I, I think, and, and it certainly doesn't help him, too, if he was going to move his way into the first round, that there likely isn't going to be a lot of yeah, workouts, stinks. camps. I mean, the draft is probably getting pushed back on top of all of this as well. So... Who knows how, how it all shakes out, if there's workouts, when there's workouts. We don't know because that's the world we live in. We can't answer questions that start with when. And w- with Hughes, the second-round grade, I mean, he, he's he's going to be a guy who I think can make a difference at the next level because he just brings so much versatility. He's super athletic. I mean, yeah. everyone wants to talk about his shooting, his, his ability to score, but the thing that always impressed me was some of the blocks he made where he comes out of nowhere and and just swats a ball into the third row. It it was funny. I even saw on Twitter the other day, Joe Girard posted something. It was his old highlights from Glens Falls. I think he just quote tweeted it and it was just like, miss these Glens Falls days. And it was a, it was like him doing, there was a layup that helped seal the the championship. Right. (laughs) And Elijah quote tweeted and says, I would have punched that thing into the third row. And (laughs) it's just like, yeah, you you probably would have because he has that sort of athletic ability and he can surprise you out of nowhere. So, yeah, obviously defense is the big question with him because basically your tape on him and man-to-man defense, you're going to have to dig through the – the AAC and uh, find the the East <laughs> right. Carolina tapes. So we don't know what what there is, and that is obviously something that you're not going to be helped with due to the fact that there is no combine. That it might be tough to schedule in person workouts and stuff like that. Right. I guess you could go to Italy because they flashed a man to man there before the season. But I yeah. mean, that's I don't think that's getting any <laughs> yeah. NBA scouts much anyway. I mean, that's the, the common thing with Syracuse players is we don't really know about their defense. And I think Beheim, his usual retort to that is no one cares about defense in the NBA, essentially. Not direct quote for quote, but right. that's essentially how he says it. And You don't get drafted I into maybe, the league because of your defense. Yes. Right. I maybe don't agree with the entirety of that comment, but I get what he means, and right. I do think that's not going to hold him back. It's it's and, largely true. Right. I, I, I agree with him for the most part, and I don't think that should ever hold anyone back from coming to Syracuse, or they should ever really fear that in terms of an NBA mindset once they decide to come to Syracuse, but maybe we say this all the time. I mean, I'm usually optimistic about these guys because we follow them in their entire career, and we see the bright spots. And I will say it's pretty fitting his last game is now going to be that UNC game. They go out on a win, 
kind of like Frank Howard, a good last game, but a little bit different than the way Frank Howard's career (laughs) ended. Uh, But I do think I'm optimistic about Hughes' NBA prospects, more so, I think, than I was about Battle or even Malachi Richardson or some other guard slash wings who have come out of Syracuse recently. And I believe that because he is more, to me, the modern NBA type of player. He has more of that frame where it's like 6'6", but he's athletic. And you think about like those Warriors teams that were really successful and really just the NBA in general. What are they looking for? They're just looking for 6'7", 6'8", 6'6", dudes that can shoot and guard multiple positions. That's where the league is heading. That's where it's been heading. And I do think he's going to be fine defensively. So, honestly, I know we're Syracuse people saying this, but I would definitely take a chance on him in the second round, if not for the fact that it seems like he's still trending up in his game, too. And it's nice to get a player that, almost the way Devontae Graham was successful this year for the Hornets, because he went from not recruited to Appalachian State to overachieving, overachieving to Kansas all the way to now. I mean, he was undrafted, and now he's was a fringe all-star of sorts, at least was in those discussions in the Eastern Conference. So Hughes, I think to me, is someone that's still trending up, and that's a good sign for NBA scouts. Yeah, I mean, everything is situational-based. You mentioned Devontae Graham. He ends up in a good situation, gets a lot of minutes, and that very well could happen with Hughes. I mean, you look at a lot of second-round guys that end up making noise in the league, it's because of the situation that they found themselves in. I mean, look at Draymond Green. If Draymond Green is playing for, I don't know, like the Atlanta Hawks, he's probably not Draymond Green. And he ends up going to the Warriors, and boom, there you have it. I will say this, though, about Hughes is you you bring up all those other wings that came out. I I almost feel like, in a sense, Hughes is kind of the... What if Malachi stayed a couple more years? Yeah. Is that what he he kind of became? Because, like, you saw how really good he was, and he ends up being the all-ACC first-teamer in conversation to be ACC Player of the Year. That's what Malachi could have been. And again, I'm not knocking Malachi. He had a first-round no. grade. <laughs> if you have a first-round yeah. grade, you go. I mean, that that's no questions asked unless your dream is to be a top-10 pick in the NBA. But I think most people don't necessarily care where they're picked. If if they're picked, let's go. All right? Let, let's, right. let's pack our bags and, and go to the league. So I think that's the whole thing with, with Hughes is – I think he's very similar to Malachi, but Malachi had the youth to him, certainly, and exactly. had the flashes. Certainly raw, but and it hasn't panned out quite yet for him, but maybe Hughes is the just the more developed Malachi Richardson, and some team might end up getting a steal in the second round. Yeah, that's the thing that's weird about the NBA draft is I think if Hughes was 18-19, he'd definitely be a first-round pick, and that's why Malachi was a first-round pick, because he was young. They really care a lot about age, and that's a whole nother topic. But I mean, yeah, Hughes we don't even a, know too. Like, could nineteen-year-old Elijah Hughes do this? Like, that's no, the whole conversation, no, and that's he's, again yeah. the the whole development course. It's important. Right. He's he's made leaps and bounds, and we'll always remember him for really a, a short but great Syracuse career. Nothing spectacular in the postseason. I mean, they didn't win a single tournament game. They did win an ACC tournament game, I guess, this year. But he played well in all year, the postseason games. Yeah, I mean, the I mean, Baylor game, he was kind of the unsung he hero. Well, yeah. I guess you can't be a hero necessarily in a loss, but like he had the best game out of anyone. He had a career anyone. high in that did, game. Did very well in, in both ACC tournaments he played in. He was a difference maker for sure. Yeah. 
So he will be missed. And uh, other news that's a little bit more positive, Syracuse football-wise, they are adding a player. And we really like this guy. He's a running back. He announced his commitment last night. Third guy in this class for Syracuse. We'll tell you about Josh Huff next. All right, so now to the good news that came out from last night, and it's football-related, football recruiting-related. 2021 three-star back Josh Huff, a guy I'm really excited about. Oh, yeah. Has officially committed to Syracuse. Pennsylvania back, and his offer sheet, nothing spectacular right now, but he did just recently get an offer from Pittsburgh, and that's a good sign. Pittsburgh has had some success with targeting running backs in the past, so you like to see that. Outside of that, it's kind of the same crop i feel like you can just copy and paste some of these other schools because yeah, it feels like syracuse is it's always syracuse competing. and the mac usually it's like you get yeah, buffalo right. central michigan bowling green yep. ball state it, and then usually exactly. bc is in there although they're not on this list but yeah it is intriguing to me the two other power five offers he he got kentucky and Pitt, because hmm. those are two schools that know how to target their running backs Okay, you're right. And I mean, you look at Kentucky ever since Mark Stoops took over the program last year, Lynn Bowden Jr. led the SEC in rushing. Benny Snell had those three immaculate years for UK. Um, 2016, the the team had two 1,000 yard rushers with Snell and then Boom Williams. I mean, that's a program that runs the ball well. And then you hear all the stuff that comes out of Pitt as well. I mean, you think LaShawn McCoy, James Conner. Um, there's a couple, uh, Olison last year. I yeah, mean, there's that, good that's the guy who ran running all over backs. them recently. Yeah, yeah, Deion Lewis. I mean, there are great running backs that come out of Pitt, and if if that's going to be the case, if that's what Syracuse is getting, I think that's a very good sign because I remember when I saw this kid's metrics. Okay, you look at he was six foot two which is unbelievably tall for a running back. Most running backs are usually in the fives. And then there was something out there that said he was 250 pounds about, although apparently Mm -hmm. he has lost 15 pounds since. So he's he's down to 235, which is still really big for a back. And so you're thinking, okay, like this power runner. But then he runs a 4-5-40. I mean, this kid's Derrick Henry. And you watch his tape. (laughs) It's just downhill runs. Again, He's probably not going to kill you with lateral quickness, but downhill runs, bruiser, can run over guys, and that's that's impressive to me because Syracuse might really have something here. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to say something here. I I think this kid's really good. Like, And do we do this with a lot of recruits often? Sure. Is this something most fan bases are guilty of with recruits? I mean... What's the first inclination Again, after you we're, see? We're judging off of a highlight tape. Everyone's right, highlight I was gonna tape say. looks good. All right, yeah, you're not putting out put... getting tackled two yards behind the line of scrimmage <laughs> on your hunt. Right, but they don't put his three yard runs in the highlight tape, and he's playing at Beaver Falls High School in Pennsylvania. I'm not saying this is some factory or something, but I mean, did you not watch his highlight tape and just? I was floored by his speed in the yeah, open the, field, and you the said speed it four was five. Impressive. Because yeah. four or five, when you got that frame, I mean, you look at some of because the, these huddle tapes, they put all your positions in there. He also plays defensive line sometimes. Okay, you don't get a lot of running backs that play defensive line. You might see them play linebacker. Definitely see yeah. them in the secondary sometimes. 
but you don't see him on the D-line, and this kid was, and he was going, making plays after the quarterback and all that stuff. He's got the quickness to and just the the ability to move. I mean, for a guy of his size to be a running back and be able to chug along at that 4-5 speed, that's that's super impressive to me. Yeah, I I thought his highlight tape, well, highlight tapes are all impressive, was one of the more impressive ones I've seen, really, from a Syracuse commit. And then I went to his offers, and I was kind of like, I mean, the Pittsburgh-Kentucky thing, I think you're onto something there. I think that's well-validated that they're good at scouting running backs and that there's something to be said there. But the rest of them, you, I was expecting more, and I was expecting more in his ratings. But again, this goes back to what we talk about a lot with the recruits is don't be fooled by the ratings. Look more at who offered them and who is in the discussion for right. him. And for Pittsburgh, Kentucky, and Syracuse, of course, to kind of be in his neighborhood – relatively early in the process and kind of a weird time period for recruiting i think that's pretty solid given where this kid is and clearly he's going to continue to rise in my eyes because syracuse he's a th- yeah yes, syracuse picked up on him early those two schools came after that's worth noting right. too good sign it, it was syracuse yeah. and then it was pittsburgh and kentucky that came on it wasn't they saw Pitt, so they were like all right let's give this guy a look so that's that's a credit to the to the scouting team and the guys who are out on the recruiting trail for the Orange. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about running back here in the future for Syracuse. And, you know, I think Jarvion Howard is kind of a similar breed to this kid, at least with the makings of he has right now. So you got a couple power backs for the future. I think some of the guys that they got out of Maryland in the 2020 class and Wax and Tucker are going to be pretty solid. And, you know, you still have Abdul Adams next year and and things like that. So running back has been maybe a soft spot in the past, and that's not really a knock. Like, I think Dante Strickland was, if anything, underrated. Moniel was pretty solid, but it could could have been better. And I feel like they're recruiting these skill positions a lot better. Between running back and wide receiver, it's just a little more appealing to play for Dino's offense. And Dino's selling them on up-tempo offense in a dome, let's go score some points and that's way more appealing than what scott schaefer was selling maybe or what scott schaefer's team's identity was to a running back agreed and i think the the big thing that again it's not going to show up a lot on a lot of highlight tapes but what is huff going to be like in pass protection because that is the thing that i think holds a lot of running backs back from yeah. actually seeing the field as a true freshman is how, how well they do in pass pro. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, yeah, that's why he saw the field a lot during his time at Syracuse. He was a phenomenal blocker, and Huff, this is is a guy with a big body and nimble feet. So that certainly helps you. I don't know what the form looks like, but we'll we'll see. I think that's the big thing that's going to determine what type of playing time he's going to get early on. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I'm maybe a little bit irrationally excited, but maybe it's the quarantine. I just think this is a a, a much stronger. <laughs> just blame the quarantine. Than, yeah, yeah. No, but I think too. <laughs> on top of this, if we see the situation play out all the way to by the time Huff gets on campus, this team could have a really nice one-two punch, like lightning and thunder type of punch. Yeah. At running back, Jawar Jordan is a guy who I think is oh, phenomenal. Right. I forgot about him. Very quick. Yeah 
because he he's kind of been under the radar and totally. what better person to learn from about being sort of this power back than Jarvion Howard he's been really good in that sort of role downhill runner very similar to Huff but Huff kind of brings I mean three more inches and 30 more pounds so yeah <laughs> that's a big boy yeah and he somehow got a four or five forty I mean from a metric standpoint, 6'2", 235, 4540, like, I don't know. You start there, and you should have some solid Power 5 offers. And he does, and he's probably going to get some more. So Something I'd be also worth him. mentioning, too. Is he ready for the spotlight? You know, Big Dome, Power 5 school. Guess what? He was on Friday Night yeah, Tikes once right. upon a time. Yep. So he is ready for the spotlight. <laughs> yeah, I've never watched that show, but maybe I'll go back and watch it now. In yeah, this, uh, I think his. Cause... I don't know exactly how it works. I just saw someone tweeted about it, and he was, I guess, one of the feature athletes during one of the episodes. So huh. they're they're in his house, that. all that stuff, and I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll go back and watch it, and, and we can report back on it. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what that's uh... all about. But it's basically <laughs> we'll have. Yeah, it's basically yeah. just hard knocks for like pee wee football. Exactly. So yeah, <laughs> very interesting it's a concept. Name. Yeah. A little play on Friday Night Lights, but um, no, maybe I'll go back and watch that now in my quarantine. I'm, I'm excited, though. I think this is a great ad for Syracuse. And sticking with football, we're going to dive more into our NFL Draft Player Profile Series on the other side. We're doing that all throughout the week, the four guys for Syracuse that are in the NFL Draft discussion. Next up is Kendall Coleman, the edge rusher. We'll tell you about his chances of getting drafted next. Okay, NFL Draft on Thursday, coming up before we know it. Talking here on Tuesday, and we're going to continue our profile series. Kendall Coleman's up today, one of our favorite edge rushers from Syracuse, of course. And it seems like he might not get drafted based on what we're seeing recently, although I could see him slipping into the seventh round. The thing with Kendall Coleman, Ty, is he has always been someone who is a hard worker, great attitude off the field. We know... He's trained with Robert Mathis throughout this offseason and obviously kind of grew up around him, and Robert Mathis has spoken highly about him. But I don't think he has the quote-unquote like intangibles maybe that an NFL scout is looking for. He doesn't have a ton of length or as much as Alton Robinson maybe, not a ton of explosiveness, but people have counted him out before, and that hasn't really worked out that well. Exactly, and again... With Coleman, he's a guy who, if he does get drafted, probably a seventh-round guy. But remember, the reason, one of the big reasons why Zaire Franklin was selected in the seventh round a couple years ago was because of the way he interviewed. At least that that's something that, that I yeah. took away from that whole thing when I was reading stuff about him with the Colts. And Kendall Coleman's a guy who's going to interview really, really well with a lot of these teams. So... I mean, again, the the combine maybe wasn't exactly what he would have liked it to be, and it doesn't help him as well that his pro day gets canceled because of this pandemic that's going on. But you can still interview. Again, Zoom might be Kendall Coleman's best friend during these <laughs> times because he he can off of what what's happened really capitalize because this is a guy who has always been very very well spoken like whenever he he spoke with the media he was always a a guy who was delegated to speak with the media like he was Syracuse's representative at ACC media day his senior year he's unbelievably intelligent and 
I mean, I, I had classes with the guy in, in college. He was <laughs> one of the smartest guys in our class every single time I, I took a class with him. And again, that could really help him at this time when they're looking for guys who can help with culture and stuff like that. Coleman is one of those guys. So he, he's been an overachiever his entire career. And again, that might be something that helps him here. You're hearing the praises from Robert Mathis. Okay. that That's a well-trusted yeah. source within NFL circles. Yeah. I've always been, you hit it right on the head there. He's so polished in like interviews. He might be the best interviewer for Syracuse football that I can remember kind of in recent memory here. And yeah. that's not a knock on like, I mean, he's a Renaissance man. He's, in. he's, writing poetry he does all these other things too like his interests extend outside of football and and that's what's so awesome about him can't you just see him on hard knocks and he's one of those guys where they have like a 10 15 minute segment on his poetry and his book reading and that's the type of guy we're talking about i mean off the field he's a rock star and obviously if you're in the nfl draft conversation you're really really good but this is the best of the best and he's 6'3 250 pounds or so so i think that's what scouts are going to point at is say maybe he doesn't have the mass maybe he doesn't have the explosiveness off the line but he's got great technique and he's a really hard worker and you know just based on what we're talking about off the field that has to count for something the culture that you're adding to him maybe and how much you could help your culture i feel like he could sneak into the seventh round yeah and again some team might say okay, this guy, this is a guy, seventh round, let's take a chance on him. And we can we can maybe do something here with him because he has overachieved along the way. Again, a three-star recruit out of high school. Then, then he goes to, to Syracuse, who is this bottom feeder ACC team, but he also was a big reason why they went 10-3 and three his junior year. And, yeah. I mean, you look at the play that he gave. He didn't receive all ACC that season, but you and I crap. both know he should <laughs> yeah. have put, he should have been on the second team. Like the first team, tough ass because that was Brian Burns and, and Cleveland Farrell. But he should have been a second team All ACC guy. The sure. sack yeah. numbers were there. And how about just the competition he did it against too? Like he showed up against Clemson in in that yeah. game that they came so close to winning. But that was one of the best offensive lines. I mean, every single member of that offensive line ended up being all ACC. He's showing up against them. North Carolina, while they weren't that great of a team, they were one of the best pass-protecting teams in the country. They, they only allowed 10 sacks in that 2018 season, and one of them was given up to Coleman. So he was he was a guy who came out and he showed out. And when he's given opportunities, he's a guy who capitalizes. And maybe some NFL team is going to see that and take a chance on him. Very disciplined pass rusher, too. I feel like he never got penalties. And I don't know if maybe he one day translates. Maybe you could see him in a linebacker role, but I think he's just more of a defensive end. And he's obviously an edge rusher. And I guess that's kind of become more blurred as modern football has gone on here. But discipline, great timing off the line. And someone that you just know is going to be bringing it every single day. And I guess these are like cliches kind of, but I and I almost feel bad even thinking of them in cliches because this is the exact type of person that were that would fit those cliches, so to speak. And that's also the exact type of player that NFL teams are looking for at the end of the day. So hoping for the best for Kendall. I mean, I think he'll get picked up right away 
if it's not right. drafted. And, you know, if he does get drafted, we're going to talk about these other two guys next that maybe have a good shot of getting drafted in the coming days, being Tristan Jackson and Alton Robinson. Syracuse has not had three guys drafted in a little while. So it's at least good that we've got four guys to talk about this year, and that shows improvement. Right. And, and again, maybe it's one of those things, too, where you're looking in the seventh round and who knows, maybe there's a team with, with a couple seventh rounders that they want to use. And they're, they've got these extra picks in the seventh round. Hmm, maybe, maybe that's where a guy like, like Coleman ends up. And they, they take advantage of just the fact that they have all these extra picks in that seventh round. So why not use it on, on a high character guy who has the potential to overachieve and has some some pretty good endorsers behind him like Robert Mathis. So that, all yeah. of this stuff can play a factor. Right. Who do we want to talk about tomorrow? We're down to Tristan Let's do Jackson Tristan and tomorrow. Yeah. I think I like Tristan. Tristan. Yeah. All right. So that, that'll be on the docket tomorrow on Locked on Syracuse. You can find us wherever you get your podcast. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. We are here every single weekday, the only daily Syracuse podcast out there. And trying to keep you guys some company right now during this quarantine and lockdown and everything. So everyone stay safe. For Tyler, I'm Tim, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.